0: A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Teaching History of Her Way podcast. I am your host, Sherilyn Amendola, and I am so happy to be here with you today. If you are a new listener, welcome. And if you are a recurring listener, thank you very much for being here. Uh, I am here today with Kelly Holder. Kelly is going to be a recurring guest on our podcast, uh, mostly because she's awesome. She's my friend, and she has so much to teach me and all of the rest of us that. I can't help but have her more than once Uh, so Kelly holder is currently a fifth grade teacher in the Boise school district and has been a classroom teacher in grades four through six for the past 23 years. In the States of Wyoming Michigan and Idaho she grew up in Kalamazoo Michigan and attended Western Michigan University for her undergraduate degree a bs in elementary education math and science curriculum and a major in French. While at Western, she was fortunate enough to study abroad for a semester in Strasbourg, France, where she fell in love with French culture, language, and travel. She earned a master's degree in reading and language arts from Grand Valley State University in 2006. In 2018, she was the recipient of Gilder Lerman's Idaho History Teacher of the Year Award allowing her to attend a history seminar at the University of Edinburgh with fabulous educators from around the US and to travel around the beautiful country of Scotland. In her free time, Kelly loves to be with her husband, Joe, and her 16 year old daughter, Kira, who by the way, made the music for the opener of this podcast. She's extremely talented and she enjoys reading historical fiction and fantasy, writing, running, and knitting. Thanks for being back with us, Kelly. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Cheryl Ann. You're too kind, thank you. <laughs> so. Kelly and I were talking uh, last week and she told me about a really interesting and brilliant lesson that she was doing with her fifth graders about civil rights alongside the unit that she's doing about government and constitution. So I really wanted her to come on to the podcast today to tell us a lot about what she's doing, how she came up with it um, and why she thought it was important to put those two particular units kind of together and next to each other. So Kelly, if you wouldn't mind taking it away, tell us about the unit. You bet. Um, and it was kind of a surprise to me. It's one of those um,
1: organically unfolding uh, experiences that sometimes we have in in education, those those little unicorns that, uh, that come to us. Um, I've never taught these two together before. Uh, however, um, we were, we came back from the winter holidays and we um, began Our government unit, our school district, uses the We the People curriculum, which lays out everything and, of course, principles of democracy, and then the the Constitutional Convention to replace the Articles of Confederation, um, the the Great Compromise, Three-Fifths Compromise, and then, of course, gets into the three branches of government, checks and balances, um, and what are our rights in the Constitution. and there is um, a culminating congressional hearing. Even I, if with COVID and you know hybrid learning and all of this, I, I don't know that I'll use that this year. I'm I'm somewhat new to the curriculum, but something to look forward to next year. Um, but on Martin Luther King Day, back in January, we had a school holiday, and I asked my students if they knew who Martin Luther King Jr. was, and you know some of the answers from fifth graders. Um, they know a little kernel of truth, but then sometimes they're a little misguided in what they actually do know. Uh, One of them mentioned that he ended racism and I thought, oh, okay, this is an opportunity uh, we need to take. And so initially I thought, well, how am I going to make this work separately? And then I started to realize that uh, the study of civics uh, and the study of the civil rights movement really go hand in hand very well. I don't mean to go on and on here, but uh, in talking about, uh, for example, with the Brown versus the Board of Education, um, my students already learned about the judicial branch and judicial review and, and what all that meant. And then learning that Thurgood Marshall, you know, the lawyer in the case also became the first African-American Supreme Court justice. It just meant more to them knowing what that meant. Um, the Montgomery bus boycott, the Little Rock Nine, Ruby Bridges, um, these things uh, had to do with with the judicial process and then of course, with integration um, and the, the resistance in some of the southern states to integration. So my students understood that the little Rock nine were blocked access to their school because the executive branch of their state, you know, called in the state military, the National guard, to prevent their, entering the building and as a consequence the executive branch at the federal level president eisenhower you know called in the military and escorted them into the building and they thought wow you know they didn't think the executive branch was that exciting (laughs) and so you know between that and then as we continue through the timeline and talking about the civil rights act in 1964 um we were reading a book last week about it, and and it was President Kennedy that that introduced the idea to Congress. And so here we bring in the legislative branch and the process of how a bill becomes a law. Uh, and then they were curious about why it was President Johnson who signed it into law. Uh, so again, talking about Kennedy's assassination and and how the uh, vice president would be become the president in an emergency. And so. All of these, um, all of these uh, understandings about government and the civil rights movement just started to weave themselves together very naturally, uh, and and made for some really great
0: conversations. So I want to go back just a little bit because I really love the We the People program um, for explaining to my students what. The branches of government are the origins of government. They do even do some really great stuff with political philosophy. So, if anybody's looking around trying to figure out how to teach that or to get some extra materials, if you go to the We the People website, which I'll put in the show notes today, they often offer free materials. They will send you, uh, in normally, a free textbook. Um, The textbook sets are not. Uh, Are not overly expensive. Um, And that's also, I I also do a project with them called Project Citizen every year, which is for another podcast, but it's really fantastic. Um, It's really fantastic material and it lays it out for students really, really well. And I know Kelly teaches fifth grade. They have two versions of their book. They have a book for elementary students, and then they have a book for middle and high school students as well. Um, So as a middle school teacher, I teach eighth grade. I use both books uh, depending on the level of my students. Um, and what they're coming with. If they're coming with a nice level of understanding, I'll use the upper grades book. If they're coming in with very little understanding, I'll use the lower grades book and then mix and match. Um, So I just wanted to give a plug to the We to People program.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we just started it a couple of years ago in the district here. A friend of mine um, led the the training for teachers and and did a marvelous job of just showing how approachable it makes learning civics for kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And I I love them. Um, But I also really love how you wove in what was happening in the civil rights movement with the civic piece of it with each branch of government so that students are understanding that it's not just private citizens who are involved in this. But it's the government, but they're also not understanding that it's like the government as like a big word, but different pieces of government are involved in different places. So the civil rights movement is an all-encompassing thing, all-encompassing in all branches of government, all-encompassing in branches of society. Um, and I thought that was really brilliant, Kelly. Why thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely something I want to use with my with my eighth graders. I'm trying, I'm stewing ways of figuring out how to do the same thing uh, with a level three grades higher?
1: I think it would be applicable at all levels. And, um, you know, the idea that you can um, just take it a little higher and maybe even examine some of the the court cases or the, um, you know, um, executive orders or uh, primary source documents in that respect. And that, you know, I, I could do that with fifth graders, but I think eighth graders would even be able to dig deeper
0: with it. I hundred percent agree with that because with a fifth grader I might give a piece of the document, but with an eighth grader I can give them most of uh, most of a court decision, which is kind of cool. Um, and we can we can dig a little bit deeper because they're because the developmental appropriateness of a lot of the a lot of the primary sources kind of hits the upper grades um, a little bit more. Um, so you used you you mentioned that you used kids books. And you told me about one that you used that I thought was really awesome. What kind, what books did you, what children's books did you use along with this unit?
1: I am impressed with the treasure trove of picture books that I've been able to find. Um, my librarian uh, at my school has been just an integral um, teammate with this. And I provided her with a list of things I found and man, did she come through. <laughs> I, I have stacks in characters. my room. <laughs>
0: Big shout out. Incredible. Yes.
1: Shout out to Angie Gray there. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) So one, I I just started looking online. I, and really, I think the Google is a good place to start for a lot of this stuff. Um, I started out, you know, I think a lot of kids know who Rosa Parks is. Um, And so we began with the Montgomery bus boycott um, as a stepping off point point. Um, And there's one by Nikki Giovanni, who is also a poet um, called Rosa, and that one's about her. One that I was not able to get my hands on yet, but I'm really, I'm going to order because it looks amazing, is Pies from Nowhere, How Georgia Gilmore Sustained the Montgomery Bus Boycott, and that's by D. Romito. And um, I remember watching the Teaching Tolerance um, video about the Montgomery Bus Boycott and, um, and they, they talked about this about you know, pies and sales and generating income for to, to keep the, the boycott going. And so I think you know taking kids in directions that um, they didn't know uh, or maybe that never really thought about uh, is kind of a good way to go. Um, Ruby Bridges is one. there are numerous books. Um, what I found interesting and never really made the connection, because um, I've learned about, I, I've taught about Ruby uh, for a while, and um, the story of Ruby Bridges is written by a man named Robert Coles, who, if you dig a little deeper, was the psychologist that Ruby talked to um, in the '60s when she was going through all of this. And so I thought, what an interesting perspective, um, you know? And and he talked about how much Ruby taught him as a human being, and so I thought that was a neat. Uh, a neat relationship between the two. Um, another one that I was really excited about and uh, my students really enjoyed too, is called Sit In, How Four Friends Stood Up by Sitting Down. And it's by Andrea Davis Pinckney and actually her husband is the artist. Um, so to get a little off topic, previously in, in December, we were learning about figurative language. And um, generally I roll into po- poetry after that. And so I would call this a rolling integration of t- uh, subject matter. We really started out with the um, the civics and the civil rights um, movement together. And now as we start to pull away from the government lessons, um, we're headed more into um, poetry. And so we had a good time with this book because it's about the the sit-in strikes in Greensboro, North Carolina at the Woolworths counter. Um, but it, it really Makes it very poetic about justice and what it was that they were looking for. And um, so, you know, sometimes with um, teaching fifth graders and, and elementary school students, it's not so much uh, the content, learning the content, but what are you going to do with the content to help them learn it. And so, the poetry has been a nice little, a nice little um, side project there in that I had them write a list poem, uh, a recipe for justice. And the book explores some of Dr. King's words. And um, so we analyzed what those meant to them. And then they were able to um, have some fun with language, but also explore uh, the types of character traits and courage and and all of those things that go into um, the sit-in strikes and and the civil rights movement and the nonviolence of the civil rights movement, which students really need to understand if they um, are to understand uh, the power and the courage of this movement because otherwise it's just someone being really nice to people you know
0: so i think that the recipe is such a cool way to do it with students and have and and not only assess their learning but also help them reflect because they have to kind of convert their knowledge into ingredients and it really simplifies it for them. Like what did these people need in order to do what they needed to do at the counter and why were they doing it? And then how did all of the things that they needed come together to, to become the Woolworth sit-in. And another thing that is really great about studying the civil rights movement against the constitution and, um, and and civics is that it's really close to the time period that we're in now, people who were a part of the civil rights movement are still alive. Um, and they even if we can't see them live, we can see pictures of them and find out what they're doing now. Um, you can talk to people who are older in the community who remember things about the civil rights movement or who were a part of it. Uh, telling kids that Ruby, Ruby Bridges is still alive is like a mind-blowing moment for so many of them. <laughs> there are plenty of interviews with Ruby Bridges that you look up and watch with your students and be like she doesn't look that old yeah i was just (laughs) gonna say she's relatively young considering how ancient all of our students think we are and the people that they're studying are (laughs) i tell mine i'm
1: 462 i figure i'll always look young for that but you're right (laughs) i digress
0: (laughs) um and yeah just them being able to relate to it because the the constitution being over 270 years old, is hard for them to grapple with. And sometimes I feel like it's even hard for adults to understand how old it is, um, or not even how old it is, how young it is compared to other, um, other forms of government in the world. But 250 years or 270 years is a long time for a 10 year old. But knowing that people are still alive from the civil rights movement can really help them see how the Constitution is still a living document.
1: On that topic, you know, one of the things the the sit-in book makes reference to um, are the Freedom Riders, and it shows the bus and people coming into the South, Um, and so I I showed them some pictures from the the Freedom Riders movement and the mugshot of um, John Lewis, and then um, we were able to talk about John Lewis just recently passed away. Um, He was a United States Senator. And so there we go, tying it right back into the legislative branch and the government. And then, you know, on the other side of that, like my parents were around during the civil rights movement. They were, you know, just a little bit older than, than the kids I'm teaching. And so sometimes um, I do like to bring my parents into school and just to meet my kids in the past, you know, they have talked about Anything from growing up in the '60s and radio shows and music to um, my mom's a dancer; she teaches them swing dancing and all kinds of things. But I thought it might be neat this year. They can't come in, but if I could get them in a Google Meet, you know, to have them reminisce a little bit about what it was like growing up. They were in Detroit um, in the 1960s, um, so their own experience might be interesting for the kids to be able to hear.
0: I've also been meaning to talk to our. Very amazing arch- archivists. Shout out to uh, Mr. Tom Reddy, who helps me with pretty much everything about my school's role in the civil rights movement. It, I think it's really interesting. I think it would be really interesting to see what our school's participation or lack thereof in the civil rights movement is. I mean, I know I'm I teach in Montclair, New Jersey, and I know that Dr. King came to Montclair to do a talk, and he spoke at Montclair High School. But one of the things that a lot of students don't know is that there were protests against his being in town. People were not happy with his presence. And there were many people who did not like him because of his message of peace and equality. They weren't, they weren't having it. Um, So it's very, it's very interesting to see what's going on in your own town and what's going on in your own school uh, in reference to the things that you're studying, because then it just brings a whole new level of, of personal to the students. So yeah, making it personal to the students makes it even more relevant. And I love that. I love that. Like you chose a unit that normally like your constitution and civics unit. Yes, it can be interesting, but it's not necessarily something that kids understand or can even like fathom having been a part of or seeing the effects of but adding the civil rights movement to it especially with present-day relevance is just is so important and was such a good idea um so you had mentioned to me that it's not necessarily a part of your fifth grade curriculum to study the civil rights movement because you tech you teach like a u.s one in in fifth grade right right we start with um exploration and
1: colonization, and we end at the Civil War. But, you know, to, t- to take what you're you're saying here, um, you know, we, in our country, um, the, the idea is to talk about American history, and the history of all Americans, and the history of America. And so our history um, is so intertwined with um, this, this concept of civil rights, uh, or the lack thereof for a really long time. And so, you know, when we start at the beginning and, you know, we talk about enslaved people and we talk about, um, this being an issue that starts pulling the country apart before it's even off the ground. Um, so as we head into, you know, our units on the civil war, westward expansion, it will come as no surprise to the kids that, um, that racism and discrimination and, and, and this the concept of, of slavery um, will cause a war uh, that almost tears our, our country apart. And so, you know, history doesn't stop there and kids are curious and they um, are observant and watch the news. And so the idea that um, the civil rights movement Came a hundred years after slavery ended in this country, but that um, it takes a long time for people to change their mind. I think in my, our last interview together, um, I referenced my Holder's historical truths, and you know, you know, number three is people are predictable, and um, change takes time for people to change their minds. Obviously, a um, hundred years is a lot of time, <laughs> but just you know, getting to the point where we can use the judicial system um, to erode uh discrimination and racism and to try to attack it and and create equality in the country. Um I, I think kids are fascinated by that. And and again, you know, getting into that government stuff, um, it, it can be a little dry, I think, in isolation for a kid who is 10 or 11 years old, definitely. and so to see it at work like this, like, you know, this is how the government actually works and and look at all the gears moving and, um, and how they all work together. So um, I think, you know, doing that uh, helps our kids to understand how the present is very much uh, driven by the past and how our future depends upon our understanding of the past here in the present clear? (laughs) (laughs) It is to be. Um, Yeah. And beyond (laughs) that, you know, just, just humanizing the whole experience and just understanding that these aren't just book characters, they were human beings, and they had feelings and emotions and um, desires and and pain like we did. Um, And so, you know, that whole social emotional Uh, learning aspect. Um, And then again, you know, what can we take out of that as human beings Um, and looking at the civil rights movement and looking at courage and kindness and nonviolence as a means to um, solving problems. And then of course, you know, teaching them to be upstanders instead of bystanders to use, you know, some buzzwords in uh, in social emotional learning in elementary right now. But, uh, But yes, it's important in our community. And so, no, the civil rights movement is not in my fifth grade curriculum, but all those other things are.
0: And I feel like it, SEL is what we teach as history teachers. We're ultimately, when it comes down to it, we are teaching kids about empathy and learning how to love other people and learning how to love themselves and learning how to fix injustice where they see it. I mean, to me, that that is that is a successful end game for, for my history courses. And, um, and I just, I think that that's, I think that's so important, even if it's not quote unquote, in the history curriculum for us to remember and to understand that there are unwritten rules that history teachers follow. And one of those is teaching kids about people who look like them and people who don't and loving each other, no matter what. (laughs) Absolutely. And,
1: you know, history being one of the humanities um, <laughs> there's a reason it's called that, you know, and yeah, they, it's the story of the human race and the ups and downs and ins and outs
0: of it. So and like you said before, kids watch the news and you also had a student who said, well, yeah, Martin Luther King ended racism, right? So helping <laughs> them make that connection to what's going on today. And like, well, he tried, <laughs> that was his goal, but here we still are. Um, and this is the reason why they, why there is so much attention being called to white supremacists and why they have a name and why we have to combat them and why there is a Black Lives Black Matter movement and why it's important. So, I mean, making that connection for them and helping them see what's on the news is directly related to what's in their history class um, is, is, also, uh, is also an important skill for them. Um, and at 10 years old, that's a tough skill for them to have without an adult helping them figure it out.
1: Especially with no prior knowledge or very little prior knowledge, you know, and and most people, sadly, I I would even venture to say that even beyond fifth graders, I think a lot of Americans are only aware of, you know, the I have a dream speech and, um, you know, who he was, basically that he did a lot of speeches, but they don't really understand everything, the big picture and, um, and the strife and the danger.
0: Kelly, thank you so much for all of your insight today. And also always, um, you guys don't get the opportunity to talk to Kelly every day, but I do. Um, <laughs> and it's it's wonderful because she's so great to bounce ideas off of. And um, she's if she's anything like a, a good listener, like she is with me, with her students, she is the best teacher ever. Um, so Kelly, thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come on and talk to our audience about, um, about the lesson you did and in your words, your history unicorn. Um, I just thought it was so great the way that you melded those two things together and made the Constitution <laughs> so relevant to what's going on in the world that I, I just couldn't miss the opportunity to ask you to come on and tell us about it. So thank you so much. Sherilyn, it was my absolute pleasure. I'm forever grateful for the day we sat together in Edinburgh, and <laughs> I'm glad we talk every day. You make me a better teacher. <laughs> Likewise, and a better person as well. Um, Indeed. So Everyone, thank you so much for being part of the History Her Way podcast today. I hope you learned something. I certainly did. Um, part of this podcast for me is uh, I get to learn a whole lot of stuff, so it's kind of it, it's kind of making me rich in an amazing kind of way. And um, I hope that you will join us for our next podcast next week. If you would like to get in touch with me in in the meantime, my Twitter handle is at History Her Way. You can also find me on Instagram at Teaching History Her Way or on my website, www.teachinghistoryherway.com. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day.